you in the name of all that is good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. Rolling River God. You know, as I was listening to some of the lyrics there, I was recognizing that I think we're all a little smoother when we allow spirit to wash over us. Because it reminds us who and what we really are. It reminds us what our true identity is. Well, welcome to this third week of our Faith in Action series based on Don Miguel Ruiz's book, The Voice of Knowledge. And in summary, we're looking at the idea there's a distinction between knowledge, which is some things that we learn and we get from the outside and it's often changeable. It comes to us to shape our perceptions and of course, knowledge is distinct from what we call truth, which comes from the ever all-knowing presence that we call spirit or God or the force. It is changeless. And it reflects that part of us that can never be hurt, can never be harmed or endangered in any way. It's timeless. You know, this week we're talking about the my topic is the, the illusion of perfection. Now, I was a little bit confusing as to what the actual title is this week because we had the illusion of imperfection, the illusion of perfection. We, I read the workbook and it said, well, the illusion of perfection, but the first line was about how our imperfection is not real. So I guess it was an idea to say that it's nothing perfect, <laughs> not in a human sense. So I'm talking about the illusion of perfection. Don Miguel reminds us as we start out in life, we're in that pure, unalterable truth, that, that straight, no chase of life. And then over time, we start creating stories. And we begin to qualify every single thing that's happening in our world. This is good, and this is bad, or this is right, or this is wrong, or they're right, they're wrong. This is beautiful, this is ugly. You know, when I was thinking about this, I was remembering when I was first taking the, A Course in Miracles many years ago. And if you take the exercises in, in the course, which is really where the work is, I think in the beginning there was something to the effect, they had a statement that said, this is not a chair, or something to that effect. And I, I couldn't quite understand what that was all about, but I realize now it's to help us recognize that we started creating our own reality. You know, we started labeling things. 
And as I've been thinking about that, I was following this story about uh, Facebook, which I have a, a love-hate relationship with. <laughs> you know, and that's my story. That's my perception. Let me, let me just make that clear. Because on one hand, it has the potential to bring the world together. Right now, it's being used as a vehicle that sometimes pulls us apart because of misinformation and divisiveness. But that's a whole other story and a whole other talk. The relevant story is it's about his social, another one of his social platform, you know, Instagram. I learned all about this from my son, you know, who's on all of them. But according to the documents, Facebook had conducted these surveys and they had done these focus groups uh, in which people were asked to report how they thought they had been affected by using that particular platform, have been using that particular app. app. And they discovered that three out of the 10 adolescent girls reported that Instagram made them feel worse about themselves because they all see images of perfection where everybody has this perfect life. Flawless pictures of everybody else, of all these other people. A flawlessness or a manufactured image of perfection that they believe they will never reach. And according to some of the... Uh, uh, reports that some of the kids actually ended up taking their lives because they could not measure up to that image that was being projected through this medium. And according to one of the former employees who was giving a testimony that this organization had purposely hid the research showing that teenagers felt worse about themselves as a result of using their products. That of course, you know, being a critical an analyzer that I am, I, I realize there's flaws in that, in the research, because there was no control group that proved that, you know, the images themselves actually led to this. But even if it's just partially true, even if it's anecdotally true, what it does is confirms what Don Miguel Ruiz writes about, and it gives a very clear message about the illusion of perfection or the illusion of imperfection, however you want to look at it. That if we buy into a false story of what perfection is, based upon what's on social media, based upon what's on TV, based upon other media, based upon the messages that we have received, then we may end up believing that we must be something wrong with us. Because we do not meet a standard of perfection. It's an illusion. That does not exist. Not in the human sense. Because we make up a story that says, in effect, I'm not good enough. I'm not okay. We may say, it's not okay to be me, but we gotta be me. As that song says, I gotta be me. I gotta be me. But what else can I be but I, what I am? Something to that effect. I have to get some singing lessons to bring it a little better. Because the real me, the meal, real you, is always all right with this presence, this power, this love that we call God because God is all good. You know, and there's an allegorical story in, the, in Genesis, you know, the creation story as we know it. And it says as God was creating all of these things, which is not an actual literal story, but it's, a, it's an allegory. But he named everything, this presence named everything good, everything magnificent. And that includes you and that includes me. Because it is the nature of this presence that it's good. And that same nature is also within each and every one of us because we come straight from that presence. 
Indeed, we're surrounded by this dynamic, magnificent something that we can't explain, but it's everywhere present in its fullness. And essentially, we're made in the image and likeness of this. As one of my teachers said, we are a composite spiritual idea in the mind or from the mind of God, meaning that every single thing that this presence has ever thought, and this presence only thinks in magnificent, whole, spiritual ideas. And everything that God has ever thought is also within us. So we can, be, we can never be less than this divine image. We can never be less than this likeness in which we have created from. Now, we may express less. We may identify as less, but we can never be less. But when we express and identify with less, it's because we bought into a story or a series of stories that's longer than the series of Harry Potter. I don't, I don't know if you read those books or watched any of those movies. There's a long series. And then we turn those stories into the movies of our own making. You know, and then we know that life is simply becomes an opinion. It becomes our concepts. It becomes our beliefs, our perceptions. And then we project those projections onto our screen of our own experience. That movie is in accord with the agreements that we have made about life. You know, I remember the time I had a mentor, a counselor, I was talking to him about all the things in my life that was wrong. Actually, all the people in my life that were wrong, you know. I'm, <laughs> you know, and, and uh, every time I run into a situation, it would be a problem, you know, with somebody else. And he said, you know, you're playing every part. You're directing it. You're providing all the resources. You're providing all the energy. You've written the script based upon your beliefs, based upon your concepts, based upon your opinions. You're playing everything. And things that you don't want to play, oh, you project that on a villain. And you think it's somebody else, but it's you. You just don't want to take the responsibility for that. So what you do, you create a horror movie and you create a villain or a bad guy or a bad girl or whatever you want to call it and say, you know, I'm going to save myself from this person and all this stuff. But he said, it's you. You're playing all the parts in this particular movie and it goes on and on and on and on. But you're caught up in this psychodrama and you've forgotten that you're playing all the roles. You're playing every single role and you play them so well. You're such a good actor. You've denied that you played them so well and you've rejected on to other people. And somehow you believe that if you would change all those bad people, life is going to be okay. But you know, here's what I found out. Dracula keeps coming back. Dracula keeps coming. You kill that bad boy. You change locations. You change jobs. You move to another city. Boom, there he is again. There she is again. You bring out the garlic. You know, you got the cross up. You say all kinds of superstitious affirmations, all kinds of things. But here you go. Dracula just keeps showing up. Because you're playing them so well. You just forgot you're projecting this movie and this drama. So here we are in a movie, in a story of our own making. We're playing every part. 
Some parts that we forgot and other parts, you know, we remember, at least partially. But the idea we want to move from the story, which Don Miguel Ruiz calls the voice of knowledge that comes from the school of what I call MSU, as I say from time to time. If you went to school of MSU, that means you're making stuff up. <laughs> and what's real, the voice of truth is missing. So we have to learn to pay undistractable attention to that which is real, that which is waking us up and realize why we are here and trust in that. And we can pull ourselves out of the movie experience. And we can begin to stand in the awareness that we are standing on holy ground all of the time. But we want to get in alignment with that. So it becomes the main activity of our awareness and let it be that that expresses our life. So how do we begin to facilitate this? How do we begin to get in alignment and get out of that movie that we made up about who and what we think we are? Well, I always think it begins by how we describe and declare ourselves to be. And I always say we need to get up every morning, maybe look in the mirror, and we say, God, let me know the truth about me no matter how awesome it really is. <laughs> How wonderful it really is. Let me see the truth of my being, no matter how beautiful, no matter how magnificent it may be. And when we begin to do that, we begin to challenge, we begin to unravel those stories and those false perceptions that we've come up with. You know, one of the definitions of ego, you know, we sometimes they say ego is edging God out. But another definition of ego is really the accumulation of unexamined perceptions. And throughout the course of the day, when we get into this high resolve of realizing who we are and we're contemplating the content of our awareness and what's flowing through with that awareness through the course of a day, we become aware that sometimes that ego or that unexamined perceptions that we have are taking hold of us. All of these unexamined perceptions, all these stories, they begin to flow through our mind, begin to flow through our awareness, and then they flow out of our mouth. They start in our head, and then suddenly it starts flowing out of our mouth, and then they start making up these conversations that goes in alignment with that misperception. And then begin to create our whole way that we see the world, our perceptions. And then it becomes our experience. And then we wonder how in the world I got into this mess. And we start blaming other people for the mess that we may have gotten ourselves in. We may blame society. We may blame the government. We may blame God. We blame anyone, but it just keeps coming out and over and over again because we're coming from a false perception. It's just like, zip, a mouth becomes a curse through which that particular experience becomes our, our life. And instead of it being a blessing, it becomes a curse. So we want to examine these unexamined perceptions and we'll begin to notice something. We notice what's speaking through us at times because our words have power. We want it to come from the right place. And sometimes we have these unexamined perceptions and stories about lack and limitation and not enough and not being good enough. Lies, father of lies, as they say. But we notice they come into our conversation and we'll even walk out the door in the morning and before we start our day, they've snagged us. 
These unexamined perceptions just move through us. We say that, you know, life is hard and then you die. It just comes through the body temple and we walk out, oh, I can't win for losing. Don't want to say stuff like that. These things just sneak out of our mouth and we'll say, everywhere I go, nothing seems to go right. And guess what? Nothing goes right. We say, if I take one step, the next step is going to be the shoe dropping on me. It's going to be a negative one. It just flows out of our mouth. And then we may find some co-conspirators to join in in that. And they agree with us. They got a four-part harmony. We get around our friends and they're singing all, man, it sounds like they could have a whole album going on. And they say, I know what you mean, man. Everywhere I go, it's just terrible. If I didn't have any bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Unexamined perceptions. So during the course of our day, we want to look at those perceptions. And we want to challenge them. We want to confront them. We want to be aware of them and then say, this is not true. They're lies. And one of the biggest lies is that we are imperfect not to say we do things perfectly in life on the human level, but we believe there's something inherently wrong with us. You know, Louise had the, the, her gourd with the imperfect that came out perfect in many ways. And it reminds me of the story of a disciple. And this disciple benefited greatly from his teacher. And he wanted to give back to his teacher. So he decided to bring two jugs filled with fresh water to his teacher every single day. And he went to the top of the mountain at the beginning of the day and he came down at the end of the day. But one of the jugs had a flaw in it. It had a crack. And when he got to the top of the mountain, one jug was filled to the brim. And, 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 and the other flawed jug that had the crack, it was only half full. But this was done day in and day out by this disciple. And he did this over a number of years. And after several years, the, the jug with the crack spoke up. It's a story, you know, not really. And said to the disciple, I'm so sorry. I know you wanted to bring a full jug of fresh water to your teacher. And every single day I leaked out this water, so I let you down. But the disciple said, turn around. And he said to the jug, and look and down the side of the mountain. And what he saw was all these wonderful, magnificent flowers that were on the side of the mountain. And the jug said, well, that's all well and good, but what does that have to do with me? What does it have to do with my shortcomings? What does it have to do with my so-called imperfections? And the disciple said that every day, as I went up to the mountain, I would drop seeds along the side of the mountain, knowing that the water would spill out and water those seeds. And after a while, not only was I able to bring fresh water to my teacher, I was also able to bring him fresh flowers to him every single day. So your so-called imperfection was a demonstration of the perfection of the power and the presence of the love of God that is within you. There's a 
philosopher, former judge in England, Thomas Trotter, a metaphysician. And he said, if you want to know the limitless nature of the universe, know that you are at the center of it and there's absolutely nothing that you can do to increase its efficiency. You can't make it better. I think you and I are here to see we are at the center of this presence and that we're on display. And like all of nature in its own way, we're here to glorify our soul. We're here to glorify and magnify the all good. Understand this presence that we call God, that I like to call the force, multiplies itself as you and as me, never dividing itself from us. It's saying in substance, go forth and multiply the good. Let your soul magnify the Lord. Let the great law of life magnify the Lord. As Don Miguel Ruiz notes, everything in God's creation is perfect. If we don't see the perfection, it's because our attention is focused on our story. So we want to wake up every morning and say, this is a new moment. This is a new moment in my life. This is a new opportunity. This is an opening to focus on God's perfection. And it takes the, I'm going to take these 24 hours and I'm going to shape them into the holy story of the good to reflect that presence. And when we begin to do that, we'll stop falling into the paint and forgetting that we're the artist. We'll stop falling into the vat of clay and forgetting that we are the great sculptors of our lives. We are. We fall into the pain and we fall into the vat when we get caught up into the stories from the external world, stuff that we begin to make up from the school of MSU. And we forget that we are being fueled by other dimensions, higher frequencies of good that are everywhere present. And that we are living in a perfect spiritual energy. We're living in that spiritual energy field right now. And we're no longer limiting the isness of this presence by claiming that we don't have enough, by claiming I don't know enough, by claiming that I'm not enough, or I'm this, or I'm that. That right here, that right now, I am right here in this moment, the full expression of this presence. And I am willing, and I am able by the divine presence that's within me to do all things that I have been appointed to do by the presence of God. This is the real mandate. And never again will we allow our history or our made-up stories to interfere with our destiny. Never again is, you know, we'll let our history be its history, yes. We'll let a story be a story, but what's more important is our divine destiny, which is something of God that has been written in our hearts. And it'll never be erased until it is fulfilled. As they say, heaven and earth may pass away, things may come, things may go, but the truth shall never pass away. The word of truth is the word of the force, the word of love, the word of intelligence, the word of God that recreated itself in its image and likeness as our life, and it can never go away. That's the word that God sees. That's the truth that the present sees. That's who we are. It includes freedom and joy, and ecstasy, and bliss, and love, and infinite supply, and beauty, and creativity, the extension of God's activity. So don't put yourself down. 
because you won't meet that illusion of perfection or imperfection made up by somebody else. Lift yourself up. Watch as the entire universe responds to that vibration that is within your soul because it is the law of life. It is the truth. That loving energy that binds everything together and it is good and we are one with this energy and it is the real perfection. And so it is. Peace and blessings to you. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center